Hello, and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from downtown, wonderful, beautiful Lewiston, Idaho. Yes, folks, Idaho is open. They have uh, a fast track plan. They started opening up Monday, and I will be traveling on business most of the month of of May in Idaho since Washington is still not safe. So I am traveling in Idaho and it is wonderful to be able to sit down at a restaurant and eat, which I haven't done in many, many weeks. Um, and yeah, it's just wonderful to be out and it's a beautiful day today. It rained yesterday, but today the weather's nice again and it's just it's just great to great to be out and about. So thank you, Idaho, for opening up and I hope all the Small businesses in Idaho and Washington, for that matter, are the best. Um, I want our businesses to survive through all this. Um, very important backbone of America, and I am 100% supportive of, of, of those businesses. So so today, as always, on our Thursday edition, we are going to be taking callers. Please call in. Let's talk about anything healthcare. We're going to be talking about testosterone for men today, but I would love to discuss anything about healthcare. So you know, give us a call, 509-537-0411. And so today, t talking about testosterone for men, and as most of you know, may, maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't, um, testosterone is, we're talking about testosterone for men, but, um, you know, women have testosterone also, and that is a... a um, Time for another presentation. For no, we'll do that at another date. So, but we're going to focus on on men today, and of course, testosterone is an anabolic hormone. Um, anabolic means you know it helps to build tissue, uh, as opposed to catabolic, which would break down tissue. So, um, testosterone is also known as an androgen. I don't like the term androgen because when we say androgen, it typically gets associated with males only, and of course. You know, females have testosterone also just at a, um, a lower dose or lower concentration. So um, what are some benefits of testosterone? Oh, maintaining libido and response. So like for erectile dysfunction, um, increasing bone mineral, bone mineral density. So, you know, testosterone is an anabolic hormone. It helps to build bone. And yes, men get osteoporosis also just later in life usually than women. Um, and it's not from, you know, we're typically taught in pharmacy school or in medical school that, you know, you know, women get osteoporosis from lack of estrogen. And that is true, but also it's from lack of progesterone and lack of testosterone. So it's not lack of estrogen that causes male osteoporosis usually. It's um, although women, don't get me wrong, men do have estrogen for sure. Um, it's lack of testosterone and, and men get Osteoporosis is usually later in life, usually in their 60s or 70s, and it's um, mostly due to lack of testosterone because our, our testosterone levels as men and women um, slowly decline. Uh, actually, with men, it, it peaks in our, in our late teens, early 20s, and starts to decline after that. So, uh, yeah, very important for that. Maintain lean body mass. Um, you know, to help to help to build muscle mass, that one's probably pretty obvious. I mean, obviously, that's why athletes, you know, ha abuse testosterone, have abused it in the past because it maintains lean body mass. 
um, strength and stamina. It's not necessarily a bad thing, and just because you know it has some bad history of some people abusing it does not mean that it's effective and safe if, if dosed appropriately, and we're going to go over that today. Um, improved mood, memory, structural integrity, integrity of the brain, cardiovascular benefits, testosterone lowers cholesterol, um, maintains skin health, maintains hair health, um, quality of life has definitely improved, um, andropause is a, is a name for male menopause. And and so the next slide, more benefits, and and I just kind of want to want to go over this and think about some of the medications that we are, as men, usually in our forties, fifties, are traditionally prescribed. So I talked about bone density. There are some men that do get prescribed medications for their bone density. Um, lower the risk of breast cancer. Obviously, that's not necessarily for men, but I put that on there because. You know, hormones and breast cancer related to women is a big, a big hot topic. Um, uh, anxiety and depression. It lowers anxiety and depression. Increased libido and sexual performance. Increased muscle mass. Decreased fatty tissue. Um, heart protective coronary vasodilator. Also lowers cholesterol. Brain protective. Um, decrease, does not increase the risk of strokes. Does not adversely affect the liver. Okay, so think about this. Think about some of those, um, some of those uh, uh, things that it treats, and then even on the next page, body aches, um, multiple sclerosis, um, blood sugar incontinence. That's usually mostly for women. Um, sleep patterns. Um, so think about this. I, so mood. How many men are in their forties and fifties, and they're they are they've been fine for the first thirty five years of their life. And all of a sudden, they go to the doctor because they're feeling depressed. So in traditional medicine, what do we do for them? They get prescribed, let's say, Prozac. Prozac's an antidepressant. There's some other ones. That, there's many others out there. Paxil, Zoloft, you know, and those are all of, um, available generically. Um, so they get prescribed that medication for depression. When in reality, if you check their testosterone, because it has been in decline for the last 20 years, they might not have an optimal testosterone level. So how many men are taking progesterone or are taking Prozac um, or any antidepressant that might just need their testosterone balance? Um, what about um, cholesterol? This is very common, and this is a hot one for me. There are so many, so many men that are on high cholesterol medications called the statins. I am not a big fan of the statins. I would never take a statin. I would never recommend it to my immediate family. Anybody that is taking statins out there for high cholesterol, I am not telling you to stop your statin at all. That is between you and your doctor. I am just telling you this. Um, high cholesterol can be a symptom of hormone imbalance. So testosterone and thyroid hormone keeps our cholesterol in balance. And if we do not have enough of those hormones, our cholesterol will, will, will increase. Now... I think there's more to the cardiovascular risk story than just cholesterol. Um, you know, we're so black and white in medicine these days. It's, it's all about standard of care. And my wife likes to say, you know, standard of care doesn't equal quality of care. And I totally believe that because we're so black and white. It's like with cholesterol, okay? If, an, if normal is 200, you're fine. But 201, you need medication. And there's just so many 
more things I think you need to know when it comes to the cholesterol story. You know, if, if cholesterol increases the risk of cardiovascular disease, i.e. heart attacks and strokes, um, there's many other things that do that. You know, smoking, history, you know, obesity. Obesity is the biggest one. Obesity has been, um, has a bigger link to, to um, cardiovascular accidents, uh, heart attack and stroke more than cholesterol does. So I think it's, there's more to it than the cholesterol picture, but how many men are on high cholesterol medication and they haven't had their testosterone checked? And high, those high cholesterol medications, the statins I call them, you know, atorvastatin, Lipitor, um, Mevacor, Lovastatin, um, those are, those medications can cause side effects. They can cause liver issues. They can cause muscle pain um, and just make you feel horrible. And people that have stopped them go off them and their knee pain goes away. Their muscles don't ache anymore. Um, they're not taking pain meds anymore. It's amazing. So... Um, make sure if you are taking some kind of cholesterol medication, make sure that you um, check, have your testosterone checked. Make sure that it, it is it is optimal. Uh, let's see. Obviously, quality of quality of life has improved, um, and um, why do I talk about the the liver issue it, that it does not affect the liver because um, there's People erroneously think that testosterone increases liver issues and um, can cause liver problems, but that is a history of when bodybuilders have abused anabolic steroids, which testosterone could be one of those, but they use a lot of different synthetics and everything under the sun, and they do it out of medical supervision, and you know, it's not necessarily always safe. So, um, and, th and it can cause some liver issues. If you are dosed with testosterone, bioidentical testosterone, the same kind of testosterone that your body produces, there is no kind of liver side effects. And let's talk about testosterone and heart attacks, okay? I'm sure many of you, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested at all in testosterone, have heard or been told that testosterone has been shown to increase heart attacks in men. And... So here's the first, the simple answer I have for that is that association does not prove causation. Let me repeat that. Association does not prove causation. And let's just be rational about it. I don't even like call myself a scientist. I'm not a very smart guy. I just want to be rational about it. If testosterone caused heart attacks, then how come 19-year-old men are not dying of heart attacks? I mean, think about that. That's when our testosterone is the highest. And, and usually in our, in our 60s and 70s is when our testosterone is the lowest unless you're, you know, unless you're getting exogenous testosterone and you're on testosterone. But just because you go on testosterone and have a heart attack, that doesn't mean the testosterone caused it. And let me tell you a little bit of maybe my theory. So I already discussed that testosterone starts declining in actually in our 20s, but you don't usually see symptoms until late 30s, early 40s when you, you know, you might see men with erectile dysfunction. That's another thing. How many men are on a medication for erectile dysfunction and they never had their testosterone checked? Think about that. How many times is Viagra or Cialis prescribed and their testosterone's not checked? Um, fix the problem. Don't treat the symptom. You know, erectile dysfunction might be a, an, a symptom of, of low testosterone. So, um, it starts declining in our 30s, in, in our 20s, but it's 
usually in the late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, even 50s, that's when men usually start seeing seeing the um, the effects and they start feeling symptoms of you know decreased energy, maybe erectile dysfunction, depression, um, um, aches and pains, all those things I've mentioned earlier that in traditional medicine, we just give them pain medication, we give them antidepressants, we give them high cholesterol medications, when in reality, they might have a hormone imbalance. So, and we know that I just discussed how testosterone is cardioprotective. It lower, it keeps cholesterol in check. It um, is a um, vasodilator, so it stops, vasos, it, it stops um, coronary spasms. So, if that's the case, and then... You know, from the time a man is, you know, 45, and then by the time he, he, you know, his testosterone is not optimal, and then he gets to be 65, and his symptoms are so bad, he finally seeks treatment because he can't get out of bed, he's having a weight gain, especially around the middle, he's horribly depressed, he, you know, and so he goes to the doctor, and he finds out his testosterone is low, the doctor puts him on testosterone, and, you know, three months later, he has a heart attack, they blame it on testosterone. When in reality, in my opinion, if he would have started testosterone earlier, he could have prevented a lot of those. Um, he could have maintained a, a healthy cardiovascular system in the first place. So for 20 years, there had been a lot of damage done. And, you know, you can't repair that damage after, you know, after that 20 years. So he starts feeling better, goes on testosterone. You know, maybe he's exercising more, maybe having sex more, has a heart attack, and then it's blamed on testosterone, when in reality, the damage had already been done. That's why I believe that it's important to have optimal testosterone levels early, and not just normal. Let's speak about what's normal and what's optimal. You know, um, normal, depending on the lab, and I'm just going to talk about total numbers, and we won't get into, you know, the details of, of, of free numbers, although it's important to have a free level. But, you know, normal is usually like 250 to 800, depending on the lab. So, you know, there's some um, practitioners that will say, well, you know, your level is 251, so you're normal. Well, just because you're normal doesn't mean that you're optimal. So there are many people in their late 30s that have testosterone levels in the 1200s um, without being on testosterone. So realize you know, you got to know what your baseline is. So I believe you should get tested early. And you also have to test to, you, you have to be treated by somebody that knows what an optimal level is, not just a normal level. You know, and blood sugar, I did, I did see that. I did, I didn't, I don't know if I talked about that, but think about how many people have, you know, insulin resistance or diabetes um, type two and, you know, their, their testosterone level is not optimal. Now, I do believe that, you know, diet and exercise are very, very important. And there are many, many people that, you know, are given testosterone and they don't see the benefits that they, that they would like because they don't watch their diet. They don't exercise. It's very important. It's a, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not a, it's not a, a magic fix. You still have to watch your diet. You still have to exercise and you'll feel a lot better that way. So traditionally, testosterone has been given by injection, um, not absorbed orally very well. It can be absorbed, but in small amounts. So for for men, it's not practical. Um, some women you can give oral testosterone for two for at higher doses, and a little bit of will be absorbed, but they don't need as a higher dose. So so injections. So testosterone was 
you know, it was um, discovered probably in the 40s, I believe, and um, it was started out given by injection. Um, you know, one of the problems with injection, I think that's an obvious one. For one, it's an injection. So you have to either inject yourself or some people go in every week or twice a month or something for um, injections at the doctor's office. That's obviously not very convenient. And here's the problem with injections is that, you know, our skin is a, it's a great barrier. It's a great barrier for preventing things, bad things to be absorbed. And your skin doesn't know necessarily what's bad from good. So your, testo- your skin can, you know, could think testosterone is, is going to prevent testosterone from, from being absorbed, okay? Um, but we'll go into that later. So when you inject anything, what's going to happen is you're going to get a high peak. I mean, like a really high peak. Your level is going to go sky high. And if anybody's ever done a, a lab level, right, if they've done an injection, even, a, even if you're doing like once, twice weekly injections, that, that peak will be very, very high. And the problem with that is, is that can cause side effects. It can be aromatase into estradiol. It can be converted into estradiol. Um, and estradiol is, you know, traditionally associated with, with women. Um, not that men don't have it, but if men get too much of it, they will grow breasts, get what's called gynecomastia. So it's very important you don't get those high peaks of testosterone. And even low doses of injection will do that because you're, you're penetrating a barrier that is, that, is, that is trying to prevent things from being absorbed. So, um, you know, another problem with injections is disposal of syringes can be a problem. And just, you know, you've got to deal with syringes. And let's see. And really, in order to maintain consistent levels, if you want, if you think about how our body produces testosterone, it's in a what's called a diurnal variation, which a d- daily means a daily variation. We produce testosterone highest in the morning, and it should slowly go down throughout the day, being lowest in the in the mor- in you know like two o'clock in the morning when we're sleeping. Really, the only way to do that with injection is to do a daily injection, which is possible, but still, you are still going to get that little peak after injection. There's just, there's, there's no way to prevent that. So it's invasive. It's not super invasive because they're, they're given sub-Q, and they are small needles. I get that. Um, but still, you're, you're um, you know, penetrating a barrier that's not necessarily meant to be penetrated. And if there's a different, w- if that's the only way to deliver testosterone, I'm all for it. Um, I believe there's better ways. Um... And, and, of course, many patients don't like giving themselves injections. That's one of the problems. So since the 40s, there's been implantable testosterone pellets. Super convenient way of delivering testosterone. Um, there, it, it, there's some disadvantages. The disadvantage is, is that it requires an office procedure, a scalpel, and a little incision. And they insert pellets um, that are testosterone and usually steric acid underneath the sub-Q fatty area, usually in the buttocks. And um, it slowly delivers testosterone over up to a six-month period. Everybody's different. So you never know what the dose is going to be necessarily. But, um, you know, the, the issue is is that it's uh, it requires an office procedure. It can be kind of painful. I mean, obviously, they use local anesthetics during, so it doesn't you don't feel much during. But afterwards, it can get a little bit sore. Sometimes, especially if you're an active person, those pellets protrude out and and they end up falling out. So it's important to go to somebody that does know how to do the procedure for sure. Um, 
one of the problems is too is that you you know if you keep repeating that procedure you have a little a scar or a little incision so if you are have a tendency to scar it's not necessarily um, the best cosmetically usually that's not as big a deal for for men but women's women have a, a bigger issue with that usually um, and the problem with it is it is it gives you a consistent level like pretty much all day it does vary a little bit depending on your activity but it doesn't follow that diurnal, diurnal variation like I talk about how our body produces it. It kind of releases more more consistency consistently. It's a great option for somebody that doesn't want to do injections daily or, or apply a cream daily um, if they're going to be totally non-compliant because I would rather they be on testosterone than not on testosterone if they need testosterone. Um, but it can have some disadvantages. The disadvantage, too, is there there can be some complications. There's there You know, you can get... A, um, an infection because it is a minor procedure that you know that will require antibiotics so so what we have done in our pharmacy for for many years is we've compounded a topical cream and it's been known in the literature for years that testosterone is absorbed topically and traditionally like if you look at some of the brand name things on the market like androgel for instance the package insert talks about putting uh, putting it on the upper arm and chest area, and which it is absorbed that way. Um, but we had we've been noticing clinically for many years that we were talking to our patients about putting it on scrotally underneath their scrotal area. Makes complete sense. It's a thin-skinned area, good blood flow, so you get great absorption. And clinically, we were seeing that, but. We'd never really done a study on it. So we did a case study a few years ago. Um, and what we found out is that applying testosterone in the morning underneath the scrotal area, you get great consistent absorption. So what it showed is that we had a time right before application, one hour after application, two hours after, six hours after. Now, we didn't publish in the study, but we even had 12 hours and 24 hours after. And what it showed is that after one hour, it came up to an optimal level. And even after six hours, it was at about the same level, which, which tells us this. It is absorbed. It's consistently released in the skin. And it provides, level f it provides optimal testosterone levels for at least six hours. That's what the study says. Now, we showed that we had a later data point that it was 12 hours, um, but we didn't publish that in the study. Um, so it's the first the study of it, it's the first study of its kind that I know of, um, although I did find a study just the other day. Um, when we did a study, we didn't know of a, a study like it, although I did find a study the other day that um, had similar time points, and it showed the same results, which is very, very cool. That's why we do studies, and that's why we like other people doing studies, so we can show... Um, you know some consistency and see if the if 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 the numbers are showing the same thing and the, and it kind of was, um, so here's here's one of the difficulties of that study which it was very difficult for sure, you, you know you, you multiple dr blood draws throughout the day, um, one of the things with any kind of testosterone um, replacement is you, you know when you're trying to verify what what the dose is and what the response is. And if you're trying to figure out how much is absorbed, 
it's really difficult to do that because you don't know how much the individual person is is um, producing themselves. So that can be a little bit difficult. In labs, you have to work with a lab, and you kind of have to prepare them that they're used to seeing a one a one you know one level of testosterone. They're not used to seeing five different samples with five you know at five different times. So you got to tell them what you're doing, um, which, which it makes it kind of fun. And then, of course, DHEA. I mean, how does DHEA? DHEA, um, dehydroandrogenedione, is a hormone that's made in the adrenal glands and the testes, and it is converted to testosterone somewhat. How does that affect testosterone levels? In this study, we didn't really get into that, but that's something that, you know, I would like to know in the future. Um, th that's one thing about, about doing a study. It always you know, makes you ask questions to, to possibly do other studies. So, but here's, here's what we were really looking for. And is it absorbed? Absolutely. It's absorbed. The study showed that we're trying to look for a proper dose. I mean, do you dose it? Do you have to dose it three times a day? Do you have to dose it twice a day? Um, from what we saw, you can dose it once a day. I'll get into the numbers a little bit later. Um, when is the appropriate time to draw blood, to block, to draw blood levels? Well, based on our study, you want to do it anywhere from, you know, one to six hours would probably be fine, and you'd have a consistent level. But it's important to realize how to interpret levels, and and I'll get into that a little bit too. Does it matter where it's applied? Um, does chest area work any different? You know, is it absorbed any different than underneath the scrotal area? Does the volume of cream matter? I won't get into that much, um, but it didn't. Um, so here's our here's our actual study. And um, I'm going to look at the numbers. This was 200 milligrams applied in the morning. And if you look at one hour, it peaked at two hours at about 1,200. And then at six hours, it, it leveled off. And then at six hours, it's still over 1,300. Um, and baseline, basically, at time zero was 500. So if you tested the number one hour after, his level would only have been 600, two hours after 1,200, six hours after 1,300. And if, um, now, one thing you look at, if you look at 12 hours in the next slide, 12 hours later, it was down to 700. So still in the optimal range, but it is going down. So that shows us that it's following the diurnal variation I talked about. Um, so here's one of the things, too. If you, if, if a, um, a provider doesn't know how to dose hormones optimally and they would see that level, they would say, oh my gosh, six hours later, the level is 1,300. That's way too high. But then realize, that's why it's important to know how to interpret labs, but then realize that six hours later, it's back in a normal range and within 24 hours, it's going to be even a little bit lower. So um, you know, it's coming down. And that's what the important part is, is it, it might have been out of the normal range. That doesn't mean it's not optimal because this person could have had an optimal testosterone level in their 30s that was in the 1200s. Um, so keep that in mind. That's why it's important to go to a doctor or a practitioner that knows how to balance um, hormones and know how to interpret labs, order the appropriate labs, and, and optimal levels, not normal levels. If you look, we did do a study about dosing on the chest, and this is what might get some bad rap for testosterone is that, you know, the level doesn't come up much 
as as much when it's on the chest. This is the same dose as we as we did in the scrotal area. And look, we got numbers that were almost that were over three times higher. And I think it makes complete sense. Your arm and chest area is way different skin than your scrotal area. Another thing, another benefit of of using testosterone scrotally is um, you you know if 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 it's on your chest, it, it has a a greater incidence of being transferred to somebody else. Whereas in the scrotal area, obviously you're going to be much more careful about who's touching you there. So um, it's it's a it's a lot you got a lot less risk for transfer to somebody else, and that's that is definitely a concern. That is something that you know I, I've seen happen in our practice, and um, so it's something to be concerned about. So so what are the takeaways? Testosterone is absorbed reliably and consistently when applied to the scrotal area. I've seen this with. Clinically, we've seen this with thousands of patients, and now we actually have a case study to show that. So um, levels remain therapeutic at least six hours post-dosing. So you probably don't need to dose um, more than once a day from based on this. Um, the skin provides a protective mechanism to prevent high peak levels, unlike injections. Um, pellets will do the same thing you'll see a, a really high peak after you insert pellets for obvious reasons. Same thing as um, as injections. You are bypassing, you know, you're bypassing your skin as a protect, protective mechanism. So high peak levels can cause some side effects. Um, there is some conversion of, usually it's conversion of estradiol. There is some studies to show that there's more conversion of, of testosterone into DHT. DHT has been, it's kind of the potent testosterone, they call it, that has been linked to male pattern baldness and um, enlarged prostate. And there is more of that in um, when you uh, apply it in the skin because DHT is high in the skin. Um, but there are there are things that you can do to decrease those those uh, that conversion. So so scrot scrotum is absorbed better in the chest. That's obviously that's a takeaway. How well is it absorbed? We don't know, but. You know, I used to be taught that, oh, well, we think it's absorbed 10%. But think about this. Um, we don't really know how well it's absorbed, but we do know this. It's absorbed to the skin, and through some other, we didn't publish this data, but through some other studies, we know that washing it off does um, decrease the absorption. It, the levels will go, will be lower right after it's washed off. And my thought is this, is I think because it doesn't allow high peaks and it only allows so much to be absorbed like per hour, I think if you leave it on your skin long enough, it will be almost 100% absorbed. Now that could take days, that could take weeks, I, I don't know. And it's very difficult to do a study like that when somebody is producing their own testosterone. So the only way you could really find out how well it would be absorbed was if a patient wasn't producing any of their own testosterone. And the only way to do that would basically be to castrate them, and that is, would not, not be um, something that would be appropriate at all. So, um, so, but from what we see in the study, it seems like it's it's very well absorbed, and if given enough time, it might be 100% absorbed. So uh, future studies, I'd like to see more data points on the chest, although I can say we did this study a, a few years ago, and now I've seen so many benefits from scrotal delivery that I just wouldn't really recommend necessarily chest for, for, most, for most patients. Um, 
And by the way, you will see on Androgel, it will say do not apply to the scrotal area. You will see that as a black box warning on many testosterone commercial available products. And the reason they say that is because years ago, we thought that testosterone caused prostate cancer. And that largely has been de debunked. Testosterone does not cause prostate cancer. And years ago, when when we thought it did cause prostate cancer, I always was thinking rationally. It's like, well, if testosterone causes prostate cancer, then how come 19-year-old men don't get prostate cancer? So this is just how some of the ignorance in medicine you know, get started. And, and it really is, in my opinion, ignorance. And it's like, and so they, they would say, well, testosterone causes prostate cancer. So you don't want to cause, you don't want to apply testosterone close to the prostate. And that, to think that applying it close to the prostate could have increased the risk of prostate cancer in its own is kind of idiotic, in my opinion. But, um, you know, so that's largely been debunked. So, um, I'd like to monitor DHT and estradiol levels more. Um, you know, maybe change the dose a little bit. You know, what would 100 milligrams do, which we've kind of done that a little bit. Um, it follows um, it follows double the dose, double the double the concentration. So pretty much, well, I talked about DHEA dosing and, and testosterone. Um, okay, we have a question on Facebook. And... So let's see, what were the peak concentrations at what time on chest versus scrotal delivery? That's a great question. So the peak was 1,300, a little over 1,300, six hours post on scrotal delivery. And on chest delivery, six hours post, it was about 375. So dosing, this was a 200 milligram, the, our study was 200 milligrams once a day. Um, and, but dosing could vary from 50 to 200, depending on the person. And it says one to two times a day there, but, you know, I think once a day. Um, not only is it going to be less expensive, but it's going to be easier to comply with. Just apply it in the morning. Um, we talked a little bit about that. Um, you know, I say shoot for target levels of 800, but, you know, is that average or is that peak? Um, you have to know how to interpret the levels appropriately. Topical testosterone is, is very, is very, very cost effective. Um, you're talking about, you know, for a three-month supply, you're talking about like $135. So it's very, very cost effective. Um, I went over this a lot already. These are just kind of some, some, um, some slides that, um, uh, to, to remind us, to remind us about this stuff. Um, laboratory workup for men, you know, PSA for your prostate, testosterone free level versus total level. So I will go into that a little bit since we have some time. Um, free level is the amount that's actually can work at the receptor site. Um, total level is a total that's floating in the body, but the free level is the amount that can act the receptor site. So it's important to look at to look at free levels. So estradiol and and anastrozole. So testosterone can convert into into um, estradiol and cause some of those gynecomastia 
you know, like um, men can grow, grow, grow breasts if it's too high. I don't typically see that with topical testosterone. And, and there again, I think it's because of the, of the high peaks you see with injections. So anosterozole is also known as an estrogen blocker. I think um, largely if you use topical testosterone, you don't need an estrogen blocker. Make sure you do a lipid panel, DHT, lipid panel. Um, the nice thing to see is with your lipid panel is that, you know, your lipids can get better just by going on testosterone. So um, anybody that's taking cholesterol medications, take, you know, be aware of that. Thyroid panel, testo low testosterone symptoms are very common and kind of mimic low thyroid symptoms. So it's important to, to, to go over both of them. And again, optimal levels treat symptoms, not necessarily labs. Labs are not black and white. They're tools to go along with symptoms and history. Here's a little case study, and I we see this stuff all the time. So a 52-year-old male, erectile dysfunction, weight gain around the middle, depression, decreased libido, increased cholesterol. All symptoms started within the last few, year, few years. Wife recently had her hormones balanced and refers him to her doctor. So... He's on sildenafil, which is Viagra for erectile dysfunction, atorvastatin, which is Lipitor for cholesterol, uh, fluoxetine, Prozac for depression, lisinopril for, hy for hypertension. If you look at the numbers, I won't go over them all, but um, you know his his labs were not optimal, his testosterone levels were not optimal. Started started 200 milligram of topical cream, um, also some DHEA which DHEA helps for depression, helps to support, uh, to support us during um, stress made in the adrenal glands, and um, the testes somewhat can convert to testosterone. Um, put them on DHEA also. Two weeks later, feeling less depressed, more energy, libido increased, um, increased again, erectile dysfunction resolved, waking up with more interactions, amazing, for first time in many years. So can work out in the gym again. Wife calls the doctor to report results because, you know, a lot of times men don't report those results. So his wife was happy. He was happy. Um, looked at his levels. You know, his cholesterol came down. His, um, you know, hormone issues resolved. He's at an optimal. He's at an optimal level of testosterone. It might look a little bit high, but you know, he's not having any side effects. Um, so six months later, so if not feeling optimal or cholesterol not optimized, can. Um, Maybe go with thyroid. You can add thyroid. So, look at the three drugs he could stop taking. Discontinue sildenafil. Doesn't need or doesn't need Viagra anymore. Doesn't need Prozac anymore. And doesn't need doesn't need atorvastatin for cholesterol anymore. Just from going on testosterone. So, what if we had a drug that could replace five or six different drugs and make you feel better? Six months later, lost twenty pounds. Hypertension resolved. Discontinue lisinopril. There goes another drug. No more high blood pressure. So I, I think testosterone is very, very underutilized. I think every man it, with any kind of symptoms like I was talking about, um, if you have any kind of erectile dysfunction, if you have any kind of decreased libido, if you have any kind of depression and you're in your 40s, you know, late 30s, early 40s, 50s, your testosterone level needs to be checked. You don't have a deficiency of Prozac or Lipitor. Um, think about that. Think about how many things that testosterone can can benefit and not have the side effects of some of those other other medications. So it's important to get your hormones balanced. So if there are any questions, you guys know how to get a hold of me. 
I am at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, MLRX.com. You can get a hold of us there. Also streaming live on Facebook, of course, and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy's YouTube. It's my personal Facebook. You can find us on the podcast forum. So for those of you that did not tune in live, um, let your friends know that they can see us on the pod. They can hear us on the podcast forums, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, iTunes, all the iHeartRadio we just got approved for. So all your favorite podcast forums. So as always, uh, give us a review, like, share, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. Um, we're getting a l- more followers on our YouTube and lots of watch on our s- watches on our videos. So we appreciate that. We thank you listeners for for supporting us. And if you have any questions, please, you know how to contact us. You have been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And tune in Monday. Monday, you do not want to miss out. Monday on our show, as we do every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. At AM, at AM 1470 KBSN Studio in Moses Lake, we will have Anthony Welty. He is, he's been on our radio show. He was the third person on our radio show ever, and it was a wonderfully reviewed show. Um, in fact, for a while, it was our number one, our number one watch show. Anthony Welty is a, uh, running for Washington State Insurance Commissioner. And he has a libertarian principles about how insurance should be handled and has lots of solutions on, we will talk about healthcare insurance and what he thinks and how, you know, we can make it more affordable for people and better for people in, in, in a free market. So listen in to Anthony uh, Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. We're looking forward to having him on. And that concludes another episode of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for listening. 